Welcome to Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Poling. My name is Pat Poling, founder and CEO of Mara Poling, and I'm happy to be with you today for our final episode of 2020, our final episode of Season 4, and we're going to take a look back at our most popular content that we've ever presented on Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Poling. And that is eight tips to buy right. These are eight things that we think everyone should keep in mind, whether you are a sponsor making investments as we are, or someone building your own portfolio. These eight tips can significantly reduce risk, and in doing so, increase the likelihood of a favorable variance over the whole period of your multifamily real estate investment. I would be remiss if before we dove into this encore presentation, I didn't take just a moment to first say thank you for all of you that have been loyal listeners this year, uh, a challenging year uh, certainly, and one in which we hope we have been able to provide some education and maybe even a little entertainment for you please go to marapolling.com and register for the State of the Multifamily Market 2021. It's coming up on Thursday, January 7th at 11 a.m. out west and 2 p.m. back east. Again, you go to marapolling.com, M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com, the Learning Center, and you'll find the link there. As always, if you have any questions about Today's content or any of the content we provide, feel free to shoot me an email, pat at marapolling.com. And without any further hesitation, let's take a look back at the most popular episode in our history, Eight Tips to Buy Right. How do you know that you're investing in the right asset? You may be thinking about investing in maybe a condominium or a single-family home that you can use as a rental, or making an investment with a firm like Mara Poling in a 300-unit multifamily apartment complex, you're still going to have the same basic question, which is, how do I know that my investment's going into the right asset? Well, we've learned quite a bit over the years, and we want to share that with you in today's podcast, giving you eight tips to buy right. Now, if you follow our eight tips, we think you're going to take risk off the table, improve the likelihood of good performance, and most importantly, you're going to sleep well at night. You're going to feel good about the investment that you've made. Do you have to follow these eight tips? Absolutely not. You can certainly make money investing in markets different than we're going to suggest, investing in different classes of assets or different sizes or ages and so on. However, you're going to have more risk. And if you bring on more risk, you might have higher returns, but you also have a greater likelihood that you could have some downsides. When you're thinking about making an investment in commercial multifamily real estate, if you're looking for a swing for the fence kind of opportunity, then absolutely you should be looking at a whole host of factors. My guess is part of your investment portfolio, though, is focused on low risk, and solid returns. And if that's what you're thinking about doing, then you want to look at following our eight tips to buying right. So 
We're going to go ahead and get started. When we're done, we'll have some information for you about how you can download a white paper. So you don't need to worry about trying to take notes on everything we're going to discuss today. And obviously, feel free to listen to this podcast as many times as you'd like so that you can capture all this great information that we hope to impart to you today. So let's get started with the first tip. Our first tip is, well, where do you buy? We think it makes sense for you to be looking at purchasing or making an investment in markets that have great population growth, employment growth, and income growth. Think about what drives demand for multifamily. If there's more people, so let's say that you have a a market where you're going to have an extra 100,000 people move in over a period of time, and home ownership is 60% and renters are 40%, which by the way is about what the U.S. average is, then you're going to see an additional 40,000 renters over that period of time. And if an average uh, rental has uh, two units, pardon me, two people per unit in it, then what you're going to see is an additional 20,000 units that need to be added to supply in order to take care of that demand. So that's great. Population growth is an important factor. So is an employment growth. Uh, If employment grows, people have uh, more jobs, more people are going to move to the area. Uh, And you're also most likely going to see some income growth associated with that. So those are both really good factors. Uh, We look at those and compare them across the entire country uh, and look for markets that have really solid growth in all of those areas. We also want to look at how supply is growing. Is there a lot of new development? And if there is new development, is that new development in your space? It is, is it in the same class? We're going to talk about class in a moment. Uh, and how quickly is it being absorbed? How fast is the market being able to take care of that? So in the example I just gave, if over a period of time you need 20,000 new units, but the market's only going to build 5,000 over that period of time, then the absorption of those units is going to be pretty quick. If, on the other hand, they're building 40,000 units over that period of time, that's potentially going to be an issue, and that's something you want to look at. You also want to keep an eye on what the cost of that new development is. If you you can buy or invest in assets that are at one price, but it costs 150% or 200% of that in order to build new supply, well, that new supply is really not going to be competitive with the asset you're investing in. And that's something for you to keep in mind. So let's move on to tip number two. Tip number two focuses on the neighborhood that you're making this investment in, what the local area is. If you think about it, and this is probably true for you as it is for me, and certainly for tenants, just about everybody works, plays, recreates, dines out, shops, does all the things that you do in daily life within about a five-mile radius of where they live. Now, we know that some people drive long distances in order to get to work, or maybe to go have fun, go to the lake, those kinds of things. But generally speaking, most people want to have easy access to all the things that they do in their daily life. So one of the suggestions that we have, a tip, would be to focus on the one-mile, three-mile, and five-mile radiuses from the target asset and really look at what's going on there. Are there good places to shop? restaurants to uh, take advantage of, uh, important factors in life like things like, you know, are the banks nearby and uh, are there parks and libraries and all the other things that 
if you just think about what you use, all the other things that folks might use on a regular basis. You can certainly use Google Street View and some other tools to do that from a desktop. Uh, we at Mara Polling, we put one of our acquisition folks in a car, and we go out and we drive the entire 20 square miles in that five-mile radius so that we can really get an understanding of the neighborhood that we're investing in, because that's an important uh, part of this investment decision. I mentioned class a moment ago, so tip number three is to really focus on what we think is the Goldilocks class. So there are four classes of assets in multifamily real estate, class A, class B, class C, and class D. We're not going to talk about class D much today. It's really a specialized class. Uh, we've actually got a podcast specifically dealing with classes. You can take a listen there and we go into more detail. But D isn't really a competitor uh, to A, B, and C. It's a very different kind of class. So if you look at class A, class B, and class C, class B is the Goldilocks class, not just because it's in the middle, but it has a balanced return, more balanced than A's and C's, meaning that it's about equal in terms of cash return and equity growth. It also is uh, less volatile than A's and C's. It recovers well during uh, uh, periods of growth uh, after recessions, and it performs well when you move into a recession. So there's a lot of things that we like about Class B. Again, that doesn't mean you can't make money investing in Class A or in Class C. It simply means that there'll be less risk if you're looking at an investment in a Class B asset. Tip number four is to be focused on the right number of units. And this is really where your particular strategy will have a, an impact. So if you're going to be making an investment in an asset that you intend on managing yourself, you're probably not buying a 300-unit complex that costs $25 million. Maybe you are, and if you are, congratulations. But most folks that are going to be making an investment in an asset they're going to manage themselves are buying either a condominium or a duplex or a fourplex or maybe a single-family home that they're going to turn into a rental. Uh, and that's essentially what's called residential real estate, residential multifamily. We are very focused at Mara Polling on commercial multifamily. So we like looking at 100 to 300, maybe 400-unit complexes. Now, the reason for that is this, is there's absolutely benefits of scale. The larger you get, there are some great benefits. We'll talk about vacancy in a minute as one of them. One of the things that we like, though, about being at um, 100 to 400 is the ability to have on-site management. If you own a 40-plex, as an example, maybe you put a few buddies together and you all invest and you go buy 40 units somewhere, that sounds fantastic. It's really hard to manage that yourself. 40 units is a lot. And it's not quite big enough to have an on-site manager. So you're in a pretty tough place. It's kind of like having a foot on the dock and a foot on the boat. Not a good situation to be in. You want to be somewhere around 80, ideally 100 units. Somewhere around there, it makes sense that you can have full-time staff on-site. And that really is a good place to be. The reason we put a cap up around 300 or 400 units is if you get north of there, your investment now is starting to compete with institutional money. Institutional money has a very different return profile than what uh, we would be looking for, and it becomes very difficult to be competitive in terms of acquiring good quality assets. So we think you want to look at 
100 to 400 uh, units in the commercial space. Uh, and if you're doing something on an individual basis, again, you're really going to be making your own decision there about what the right unit count is uh, and how many single families or condos or two or uh, two duplexes or fourplexes you might uh, put together. Now, one of the things we mentioned about having more units is uh, the, a benefit of that is scale. Uh, and one of the places that shows up is vacancy. So uh, if you have one vacant unit uh, in your portfolio, so let's say that you've got a single-family home and you rent it out, uh, and after a year, after 12 months, the nice tenants that uh, are renting from you say, hey, we're going to go buy a place. Good for them. That's actually good for everybody. Uh, and so now you've got that unit vacant, and you get it cleaned up, and you get it released, but the next person doesn't move in until the first of the next month. Well, that means you've had 12 months of full occupancy, 12 months at 100%, and then you had one month at zero. So over 13 months, you averaged about 7.5% or so in terms of your vacancy. Now, in a large complex, say 100 units, you could still have that kind of an average, right? You could have one unit empty every single month uh, and scatter that across the entire uh, year so that every asset had a chance to have a vacancy. And you could still end up at that 7.5% number. The difference is in the 100-unit complex, you're going to have a fairly smooth curve, uh, which is not only easier to manage, but it's easier for you to manage cash flow and those kinds of things. In a single-family investment, like we talked about on the residential side, it's going to be lumpier. That's the technical term for it, obviously, uh, which means you're going to have that 100% occupancy, and then you're going to have uh, 0%. And so you really want to be in a position where uh, you're trying to smooth that out as much as you can. And again, more units allows that to get smoother. A duplex, a fourplex, a number of single-family homes, all of that would allow it to get smoother. The way to make it the smoothest is to be at 100, 200, 300 units. That really gives you the uh, smoothest uh, occupancy curve you can find. So now we want to talk about tip number five, and that is the age of the asset. Again, you can make money investing in newer assets. You can make money investing in older assets, and we think there is a Goldilocks space to be in. So if you invest in a newer asset, it's going to have brand new infrastructure, it's going to have newer HVAC units. The roof is going to be newer technology. Uh, the interiors are going to be fairly updated, the kitchens in particular. That's all great news. You're going to pay for that, and you're also not going to have an opportunity to make a lot of improvements because the unit's in pretty good shape. So maybe you think about going to an older unit. So you buy something that was built in the 50s or the early 60s, and you're going to make all these improvements. Well, now you have to make those improvements because you've got old technology. Uh, you may have old roofing technology. You may have old HVAC technology, uh, you know, electric wall heaters, uh, uh, electric baseboard heat. Um, you might have, um, uh, uh, you know, either boilers and chillers if it's a a large complex, or if it's an individual home, you may have coolers instead of uh, HVAC units. So you've got to make a lot of improvements to those. Ideally, what you want to find is an asset that's old enough to give you opportunities to add value, but not so old or not with uh, older infrastructure, because you really don't want to replace things that aren't going to give you value. For example, if you've got to put a new roof 
on a property, you're not going to be able to charge more rent for that. Uh, you just have to be able to buy it a little cheaper in order to make that make sense for you. And that may or may not be possible given your particular situation in the market. So you want to look for the right age and in particular the right kind of infrastructure. The next tip we've got for you is to invest in areas that have diversified employment. What we mean by that is this. You, you want to have your assets somewhere where you're drawing on not one, not two, but ideally three diversified, three different sectors of employment. So we like healthcare, uh, government's another one that we think works well, higher education, and there are certainly others. Uh, what you want to avoid is being an area where uh, either all the industries are related to each other. Maybe all the industries are tied somehow to the automobile manufacturing industry. That's not very diversified. Uh, or there really is only one industry. Uh, there's a very nice town in Texas. Uh, we happen to like Texas as a state to invest in. We've got a number of assets there. There's a very nice town in Texas that actually has some really uh, good quality assets. They meet a lot of the criteria. The problem is this particular community is supported by an extremely large military base. And while that's technically a government operation, we all have experienced base closings in the past. And if that particular base closed, which it's fairly unlikely, but not out of the realm of possibility, if that base closed, well, this town's going to dry up and blow away. And we don't want to be in a position where we've really got that kind of exposure. So what we think makes sense is having diversified employment. Uh, as we said, we like health care. People are not only uh, aging, right? We've got the baby boomers hitting retirement age. So we're using more health care, but we're also living longer, right? And that's increasing the amount of health care we use. Government whether it's growing rapidly or growing more slowly, it's continuing to grow. Government's a good place to look for solid employment opportunities. Uh, and then we also like higher education. That's one of the other areas that's growing. And that could be a community college, a state college, a private university, any of those particular factors. The seventh and eighth tips are really kind of related. So we think it makes sense to be looking at making an investment in properties that are located in safe neighborhoods. This does not mean that you need to be in the safest neighborhood anywhere in the country. Uh, and again, we use FBI uh, crime statistics to really determine what we mean by uh, relative safety. So we're comparing on a national basis. Uh, we don't think you need to be in the 90th percentile to be in a safe neighborhood. Uh, we think the the middle quartiles look good. So, you know, 75th is, we think, a very safe neighborhood. And we think you can go all the way down to probably 30 or 25 and still be in a good, safe neighborhood. You don't want to be down at 10. If you're down at 10, that's probably not a safe neighborhood. Or even if you think it might be a safe neighborhood, it's probably not perceived by your potential tenants as a safe neighborhood. And that's really what you're thinking about. Tip number eight is you want to be in neighborhoods with good schools. And good schools follows the same logic. You don't have to have the best schools, but you don't want to have the poorest quality schools. So you want to be somewhere in those middle quartiles. You could be at 25 or 30 or 50 or 60 or 75th percentile. Any of those, we think, are good, solid schools. You'll often see schools and uh, safety of the neighborhood correlated. So uh, 
reasonably good schools or very good schools are going to be in reasonably safe or very safe neighborhoods. You tend not to see a lot of dislocation between those. If you do, you might want to look at your stats in a little more detail because there may be more to the story than just the basic statistics that are there. So when we make an investment at Mara Polling on behalf of all of our client investors, as we said, we're looking for markets that are growing, good sub-markets or neighborhoods that have the amenities that our tenants are going to be looking for. We like Class B assets. We like them in the 100 to 300 unit uh, space. We think it makes sense to look for assets that are maybe 1980s or a little older vintage but with modern infrastructure, absolutely diversified employment, and that are in safe neighborhoods with good schools. And whether you're investing in assets like we're describing with a firm like Mara Polling, where you're making an investment in an asset that you're going to own and operate yourselves, we think you can take risk off the table, improve your performance, and ultimately sleep better at night because you've made an investment in which you've bought right. And that's what our eight tips are about. Well, thank you for joining us today. I hope you found eight tips to buy right as valuable today as you all have over the last few seasons, you continue to vote that uh, the most impactful and positive episode we have uh, presented to date. Don't forget to swing by marapolling.com and register for State of the Multifamily Market 2021 coming up on Thursday, January 7th. Uh, I didn't mention this before, but please register even if you can't be in the session live. You will be amongst the first to get a copy of the recording and the presentation materials. So uh, please uh, stop by and register uh, today so that you can do that. Next week starts Season 5 of Multifamily Real Estate Investing presented by Mara Poling. I hope that you will join us. We've got lots of great uh, content coming for next year. And with that, I wish you a happy new year. And hope that you will join me next week for the beginning of Season 5 of Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Polling.